Good morning and welcome to another Facebook Live session with myself. I am Sarah and shortly I'll be joined by ASL's Managing Director, Jason Perry. Jason is an HR specialist and a Chartered Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, nearly, um, and he's here to answer any questions that people may have when it comes to workers' rights, employment law, and anything that's going on with COVID-19 and how that may be affecting you. So if you have any questions, do put them in the chat box. Um, but in the meantime, <clears throat> excuse me, with no further ado, I'm going to bring Jason into the conversation. Jason, hello, are you there? Good morning, Sarah. It still amuses me each week how the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development is, is such a struggling set of words to get out. It's not like I haven't known about them for many years. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to have to tape it to my computer or something. Maybe I'll get it right then. <laughs> anyway, Jason, so we've got a few things to talk about today that I think people will be interested in. Um, let's, uh, let's go with some of the uh, short, sharp ones first. Uh, rule of six. Now, apparently it's very simple, although there's been so many rules that um, I myself did get quite confused on this one. Uh, rule of six, tell us exactly what it is. Well, I think, I think the rule of six is incredibly clear, um, albeit I think it's made a little bit more complicated by Wales and Scotland choosing to have a slightly different rule of six. Um, the rule of six is six people are allowed um, to be together at any point. So if you have a barbecue today, don't have seven people in your garden. Six is the maximum. If you have a family of four yourself, that means only two other people are allowed to come into your garden for that barbecue. It doesn't matter whether it's indoors or outdoors. So the same applies to as we move into winter. It's still looking quite sunny out there today, but as we move in towards winter or if you're having people around for dinner in the evening and it's too cold to be in the garden, it's six people. The important things are still around social distancing. So the two metres or the one metre plus still applies. You know, uh, don't go and hug your guests. Don't kiss them as they arrive. Um, all those things still stand. Um, and I, I think I heard uh, the uh, health secretary this week with his new slogan, which is, I think it's, uh, uh, oh, I'm just forgetting it now. Um, hands, face, space, is it? Um, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and keep a degree of space around people around you. I think I've got that right. It um, sounds like the beginning of the Macarena or something, doesn't it? <laughs> Please don't start singing. Um, but uh, those still apply. The rule of six is simply about the size of your social gathering. So whereas before you might have been able to say, oh, well, two households can gather, you know, and people would go, well, actually, is my household my, my um, mother who lives in the granny annex? Can I bring her too? And actually, there's five of us plus my mother in the granny annex um, meeting my brother's family who have three kids and you know his wife. And suddenly, um, you <coughs> meet into quite a large number of people. And this is about having simplicity. So the rule of six is simple. It's six people. It doesn't matter who they are. If you already, if it's you and your husband and you have three children, you can have one person come round. Uh, it's six people, and in that sense, it is simple. Okay, so it could be six business friends, it could be six family members, it just doesn't matter so long as it is six and only six. It's six people, <clears throat> yes. And this applies to social gatherings. It doesn't apply to workplace rules. 
it doesn't apply. There are exceptions for things like weddings and funerals. Um, and there are exceptions for things quite importantly, like uh, health support groups. And that's particularly been focused on things like, let's say, addiction support groups. People's um, alcohol and drug misuse has gone up during this crisis, partially because of the stresses people are under. But equally, there are other support groups. Um, some of the kind of LBG, LGBT... That's right, LGBT. I'm not getting that. It's as bad as the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. It's all about what you know, isn't it? So I think you know what I'm trying to say there. The kind of uh, support groups that exist, they're still allowed to go above six. So it's about social gatherings. If you have people for dinner, if you have a barbecue, that type of thing. Six okay. people, regardless. Six people, regardless. Okay. Absolutely. Now, the difference that has caused confusion... And my own personal view for what it's worth is the Welsh and Scottish governments and the media have not helped this because they've created some of the confusion by having separate rules. Um, now, whether their rules are right doesn't matter. It would have been simpler if we as a nation had one rule. And what they have done is they have said if people are under 12, they don't count towards the six. And that was designed to make it fairer with things like grandparents. If you've got a family with four children, the grandparents are now no longer allowed to come round for a visit. And that, they've put this exception in. Rightly or wrongly, it's different from England. And that's where the confusion, I think, has come in. Okay. Has that helped so, you understand, Sarah? Yes, yes. There you go. <clears throat> I've done some good this morning. Where there was, where, where there was none. <laughs> yes. They, um, I'm so used to things being complicated that I was just assuming that that would be two. No, I think it's very simple. Six. <laughs> six. Okay, so even I can count to six. Just don't add me, ask me to add any more. Um, so testing. Let's talk about testing because yes. that's a big topic at the moment. Testing has been um, getting challenging, I think is the polite way of putting it. Um, back in, oh, February, March... Um, we had, I, I still remember when we were ambitiously going to get up to, I think, 10,000 tests a day. Um, and we thought that might be a lot of tests. As I understand it, if I'm getting the numbers right, we now have the ability to do 25 times that many tests a day. We're running a quarter of a million tests a day as capacity. The problem appears to be that the wrong people are asking for tests, coupled with um, people being concerned as schools have gone back. So I'll give you an example. Um, just over a week ago, um, one of my daughters um, had a temperature and we suddenly wanted a test. It was difficult to get hold of, in all honesty. We did get one. We got a postal test. Um, now, she met one of those three criteria. The criteria are if you have a temperature, if you have a new and persistent cough, or if you are suffering a loss of sense of taste or smell. Those are the three criteria. But what's happening is children perhaps are being asked not to come into school because they've got a runny nose. What if they've got COVID? And the parents are suddenly going, oh, do we have to isolate? We better get a test. So then people who aren't meeting those three criteria are, in their mind, legitimately asking for a test, but they're not within the target zone. Now, suddenly, as schools go back, needless to say, lots of children develop 
coughs and sneezes and runny noses. It's, anyone who's got children knows this just happens. If all of those people are asking for a test, suddenly what seemed like a lot of capacity is put under pressure. You've got another area, and I personally know of a case like this, where a friend of mine, um, somebody he house shares with, um, had symptoms and actually had a positive test, and another joint friend of theirs suddenly decided he really needed to know. And in that case, sadly, he rung up the track and track and trace and said, I have symptoms when he didn't, in order to get a test to reassure himself. That is happening as well. So <clears throat> we have a little bit of an increase in numbers, actually a reasonable increase in numbers, but we also have a lot of people asking for tests who arguably don't meet the criteria. And that's caused um, demand to outstrip supply. That's when we get into crisis mode. Okay, so if we, so basically, if you have a temperature, or you have a new and persistent cough, or you have developed a lack of sense, or you lose your sense of taste or smell, any one of those criteria, you should ask for testing. If it's just snibbles, then there's a good chance it's just a cold. Well, interestingly enough, I heard one of our top. Um, scientists on this subject um, from King's College uh, in London talking a couple of days ago and he went so far as to say that uh, I don't you come across as a Zoe app on which you can report whether okay the guy behind the Zoe app um, and it's one of the best things you can do in all honesty you can report daily on whether or not you have symptoms and they are using this for research for us to understand more about um, the virus but he went so far as to say, if you have a runny nose, you do not have COVID. And he actually went so far as to say, by studying the symptoms people are getting, we can go as far as to say, if you have a runny nose, you do not have COVID. It's, it's not just, it's not one of the symptoms. It's one of the signs you don't have. So actually, yeah, for me, when I heard him say that, that was quite a, a revelation. But lots of people are asking for tests who have a runny nose. You haven't got COVID. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a panic, isn't it? it? It is understandable panic, Sarah, but yes, panic. Um, as we're seeing cases rise and we're seeing cases rise across Europe. And we need to find a way of bringing that down. And I think the only way we're going to bring it down is the government regulating tightly on who's eligible for tests. So, a yeah. difficult few weeks ahead. Yes, indeed. Oh, I like the new mug, Jason. Ah, thank you. It's important <laughs> to get the right company logo on it. <laughs> Especially when you've had a rebrand. <laughs> nice work, Trevor. <laughs> so, um, okay, we've got an important one here. Now, you've uh, you've come across some, you've uncovered something quite unpalatable um, when it comes to um, using an umbrella company. Now, you've known about yeah. umbrella companies and how they operate for a while yeah. and the benefits of them, and uh, you've come across an incident that's a bit worrying. Do you know, I think we could probably talk for a whole session on uh, umbrella and holiday pay and so on, but... Um, let me try and uh, slot it into a short spell and uh, make it as simple as I can. The first thing I want to say is at ASL, we do not use umbrellas, okay? And it's a point of principle. Um, the, the reality is umbrellas exist um, and they provide convenience to many contractors. Um, those tend to be higher earners 
um, who are doing IT contracts, engineering contracts, and so on. My own personal view, and I'm expressing an opinion here, my own personal view is they offer little or no benefit to somebody who is doing a normal job, who is working towards the minimum wage end of the pay spectrum. The reason they came about is they offered advantages where people were able to offset some of their costs against tax and national insurance. And both the worker and the agency were able to gain savings by doing so. Um, if you actually are towards the minimum wage end of the spectrum, they offer no advantage. So what we had this week and I can't tell you this is wrong, I can't tell you that it's illegal or anything of the sort, um, it makes me feel uncomfortable is the closest I can say because I don't have the detail of it. But we had a worker ring us who's working through another um, agency for advice. He'd seen these sessions and kind of wanted my opinion on a few things. And what was happening, I gather in April this year, he was switched from being uh, a PAYE worker through his agency to being paid by a third party. He didn't understand the change. He was just told it was going to happen. And he's now concerned that he's not being paid holiday pay. He's concerned that he's not um, necessarily getting um, accurate information over what his pay is. Really concerningly, he has not received a pay slip since April. Now, that's shocking. That's illegal. Now, whether or not he hasn't received one because of um, him not providing accurate details to them, I can't tell you. So I'm not casting judgment over whether or not um, the, the, the company in, in, in this case is wrong. But every worker has an absolute legal right to a payslip. It's a basic. You don't know if you're being paid correctly if you don't have a payslip. Um, one of the other things that I really ought to stress here and, you know, I'm looking at the time and think, I said we could talk about a whole session on this, Sarah. Um, every worker, by right, there's a new piece of law that came in in April this year that everyone is entitled to what's called a key information document. Now, at the point you register with ASL, um, you will receive an email from us with a key information document attached. And it basically tells you who will pay your wages. It tells you on what basis you will be paid, on what basis you'll be engaged, what type of contract. And that's us. We will pay your wages as a temp on a PAYE basis. It gives you an illustrative example of what your pay might be. It tells you what type of deductions we might legitimately make from your pay. So it's basic communication so somebody goes into a relationship knowing how it will work. That's an absolute legal right. If somebody isn't giving you that, you need to be asking for it. You have a legal right to understand your pay. Um, again, on a payslip, you have a legal right to have an itemized payslip that will tell you what your wages are. Um, and you have an absolute legal right to holiday pay. If you're working for somebody and they tell you you can't have holiday pay in the first 13 weeks of your booking, that's untrue. You have a legal right to holiday pay. Um, 5.6 weeks per year, proportionate to how long you work, or that's 28 days if you work full-time. Absolutely legal right. And it, 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 it's shocking and upsetting that there are people out there that don't necessarily do this. Most 
agencies out there are complying. Most employers are good, decent employers. Sadly, there are one or two. The only way we can tell is by looking at those documents and helping somebody in on that basis. But broadly speaking, you're probably worrying unnecessarily if you think it's wrong. But check, get these documents, read them, look at them, and check you're being paid the minimum wage. One of the other last things I'd say on umbrella companies, an umbrella company usually charges the worker and they call it a margin, where there's an element deducted out of your pay for providing the service of employing you on an umbrella contract. If you're a low earner, you need to make sure that that isn't actually taking your wages below the minimum wage. Really, really important. You should not be worse off because of the arrangements that an employer or an agency chooses to put on you. That's not right. That's not fair. Okay, so yes. Sorry, I get quite excited about these. No, no, no. Well, uh, and understandably so, because I know ASLs, you know, because people make the difference, and 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 you've always gone the extra mile for your candidates, um, as witnessed by your um, investigations into and subsequent furloughing of, uh, of them. Um, we, so, uh, and of course, the benefit as well with ASL is that you, um, if if you're registered with ASL and you've been working through ASL, you can actually access your profile through the ASL website and download all of your pay slips and look at all indeed. of your payment history with all of the detail um, whenever you like. Absolutely. So absolute clarity there. Yes. Okay. Well, I think we should probably leave it there. I think we've kind of gone over our usual 15-minute slot, but we've, uh, we've covered some good stuff there, Jason. Um, now, Jason, we've been talking about perhaps moving this to a fortnightly thing as opposed to a weekly event. Um, people can still catch up, obviously, because it, it will be on our Facebook page. Um, but yes, as of, um, as of today, uh, we'll be moving to fortnightly. So we won't be here next week, but we will be here the week after, which I think is the 3rd of October or something like that. Um, so, I don't have um, a diary in front of me. I'm, we'll post it on the Facebook page. But essentially, we started this because there was so much uncertainty um, back in April. Um, and it was about making sure people knew their rights, people had good advice. Um, and I'm slightly cautious we're moving towards a second wave. And actually, it might be right to bring it back weekly again, Sarah. But uh, if what we're doing is not seeing rapid changes, then maybe weekly is a little bit much. But I think perhaps the fact that we've just been talking about umbrellas and holiday pay, there are many employment issues we can continue to provide advice and support on. So I think if we move it to fortnightly and we make it a general kind of employment guidance, employment law support, and when COVID's the most topical issue, let's talk about it. But if it's holiday pay or maybe the worker, um, I was about to say the worker registration scheme, I don't mean that. I mean the UK settled, EU settled status for many of our Eastern European workers and so on. Just really providing them with support and advice they need. I think that's a really useful thing to do on an ongoing basis. I agree. <clears throat> I agree. Okay, so... Um... I think uh, that's that's definitely that then. We will be back in two weeks' time. If you have any questions in the meantime, you can either contact the ASL group on uh, hastings at aslgroup.co.uk or you can phone the team on 01424 uh, Any of them will be happy to answer your questions or put you through to Jason and he'll do it instead. So thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you in two weeks' time. 
Jason, thanks for your time today, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Sarah. Bye-bye.